I'm going to talk to you today about hearing the sound of faith. Hearing the sound of faith. How you hear things is very important. What you hear, what the Spirit of the Lord is saying, is extremely important. Because you can miss God if you're not in tune to, to uh, listening to Him. And we see this happen in the Scriptures here. In Mark chapter 16, let's pick it up in verse 9. It says, Now when Jesus was risen early in the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. Notice that there. He cast seven devils out of her. And she went and told them that had been with him as they mourned and they wept. Verse 11, And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, they believed not. They didn't even believe Mary, who had seven devils cast out of her. Her whole life has been changed. And she goes and tells those that had others that had, had believed that he was alive, it says they didn't believe her. They didn't believe her. Verse 12, after that he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and they went into the country. And when they and they went and hold unto the residue of the rest, neither believed they them. Afterward he appeared unto the, the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and the hardness of their heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. Now it's interesting the thing that'll happen is the hardness of their heart. It says he corrected them because of their unbelief and the hardness of their heart. Our hearts can get to the point where we're so hard we don't receive. It's kind of like the parable of the sower and the seed in the ground. The ground is so hard that the seed is cast on the ground. But because the ground is hard, when the rains come, the rains just want to the point where it doesn't absorb the moisture and, and, and grab a hold of the seed so that when the seed does if, start to grow, it doesn't have any deep root. And when the sun comes out, the heat comes out, what does it do? It just burns it up. See, <clears throat> your heart, the condition of your heart will determine how you receive. Amen? The condition of your heart. Everybody do this with me. Take your Bible, your, your, your instrument, your, your computer, or whatever you got, your phone, and just hold it to heaven. Now repeat this after me. I believe, I believe everything, everything that my Bible says, no matter what the devil says, no matter what people say, no matter what my circumstances are, Today I'm a believer. Therefore I'm a receiver. I do believe that I will receive absolutely everything that God has for me today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
So the hardness of their hearts, they couldn't believe the truth when it was spoken to them. And obviously her whole life had changed, and they'd seen it changed. That when she comes to them and says, he's alive, they, they didn't believe her. They didn't believe her. And Jesus said he corrected them because of their unbelief. Now, how many, how many people in churches today, if the pastor come up to them and said, look, uh, I need to talk to you because you don't have any, you don't have any belief. Everything's in you is just unbelief. <laughs> they get up and leave. Well, I, I'll go find me another pastor that'll hold my hand and tell me everything's going to be okay. No, see, this is love. This is love. Love brings correction. Why? Because it cares. Because you, you have to understand that if you're headed down a road that's not right, when do you want to be told that you're on the wrong road? When it's too late? No, no. I'd rather be told the very first one, when I take a step in that direction, somebody say, hey, Mike, you don't want to go down that way. Why? Because this is what happens. And that's what he's doing. He's saying, look, you all have a lot of unbelief because your hearts are hard. So see, what can happen is as believers, we can harden our hearts to the things of God and what happens is we don't receive, we don't produce. Because your your heart the heart of your your heart, your spiritual heart in, inside you, your spirit, doesn't have a voice, but your mouth does. Your mouth speaks the condition of your the soil of your heart. A farmer, for instance, when he go when they go out, and I I heard this one minister say one time he was talking to uh Somebody he knew that was a farmer, and he said, well, you farmers got it easy. All you got to do is go plant seed, and you get harvest. He said, son, you don't know what you're talking about, city boy. <laughs> he said, did you see that farm over there? He said, well, yeah. He said, that, that farmer's crop is poor every year because he doesn't do anything to his soil. You know, the Bible talks about breaking up that fallow ground, that hard ground. You've got to break it up. How do you break it up? Because you humble yourself to the things of God and you submit. You're breaking up that ground. You're saying, hey, I don't, know, I don't know as much as I think I know. That's how you, break, you start breaking up that ground. And then at the same time, with, with a farmer, not only do they break the ground up, but they start putting nutrients in the ground so that when the crop comes and sowed in there, it not only grows, but it has some strength to grow with it. See, and that's what you're doing it when you take the Word of God and as you look into the Word of God, as you gaze into there and you let the Word of God speak to your heart. And you know it's speaking to your heart because why? Because it causes you to change how you're thinking. You look at things in the Word of God and you, you're, you're, you're honest with yourself to the point you'll say, you know what, I don't really do that that well. Well, I'm not even doing that at all. No wonder i got problems in my life. Father, can you help me? Yeah, he can help you. He can help you. He wants to help you. God's not mad at you. 
He's not mad at you. All that stuff in the past is in the past. Leave it in the past. When you, when you confess your faults to the Father, when you confess your sins, He doesn't see them no more. They're gone. The only way it can come back up is if you dig them up. Some things just need to stay buried. They need to stay that way. Leave them Because God's not in your past. He's in the future. He's in the right here and now. He's preparing your path. Your hand. I don't know whether you felt that or not. It's right there. God's breaking some things off you, son. Some ways you used to think. Some of the things you used to do. Some of the desires you used to have, they're, they're leaving right now. They're not there anymore. Now the devil will try to convince you, oh, they're still, no, they're not, no, they're not, no. No. The power of God's working in you right now. You've confessed things to the Lord. You've asked for forgiveness. He's forgiven you. The condemnation's only coming from you or the devil. God's not condemning you. You're forgiven. Whew. Those desires are leaving you right now. Those want-tos are leaving you right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. See, God doesn't embarrass people. I don't know what was going on there, other than God, but God did. And that doesn't mean that it, he may have an issue with eating food. And he needed to learn. I, I don't know. I don't have to know. What you've lost in the past, God wants to restore. He's a restorer. What's it say in Psalm 23? He restores my soul. He restores my soul. We, you know, I was ministering last night, and, and the Lord quickened this to me. He showed me he, he reminded me of this. He said, I don't know if this is okay with you. I'm just kind of getting off of what, we're just going with the Holy Ghost. He said at every service, there's angels here. Now, there's an angel that stays here in this house all the time. He don't leave here. It's scriptural. He's not going to go out and park my car. Angels don't operate that way. They're not little, fat little babies with little bows and arrows. They're not your deceased loved ones. They're not. They're not. They're different creatures. They're different creations. So your loved one, when they die and go to heaven, they don't come back, and they're your guardian. They're not. That's, that's unbiblical. Anyway, there are angels at every service. Remember back in the Old Testament, um, said Abraham that saw the angels ascending and descending? J Jacob. Jacob. Thank you. It was Jacob's ladder. Yeah. Gosh. Duh. Big red truck. Yeah, that's a different joke. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jacob, 
sees the angels ascending. It says ascending and descending. In a matter, where were the angels coming from? Earth. They were going up to heaven and they were coming back. That's exactly what happens in every church service. The angels ascend and then they come back with what people need in that service. What's that mean? Whatever you need. If you need a new heart, it's here. There's an angel here with, with your heart, a new heart. You need kidneys. There's an angel here with kidneys. How do you get them? You By faith. But the Lord said, but unfortunately what happens is a lot of my angels come back to heaven with the parts that they brought there because the people didn't know how to receive them. They didn't know how to receive. Why? Because they're not taught. How many times have you ever heard that? How many times in your life have you ever heard a minister say there are angels here with body parts that people need to minister to you? Probably never. I've heard it a few times. I've heard it a few times. But the Lord quickened that to me yesterday. He said, you need to tell people more about that. Talk more about angels. At intercessory prayer, we had an angel show up uh, earlier this month. And he's standing right back there by that door. And I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what's he here for? He said, he's here to help you bring people into your church. I said, well, then he's waiting for the word, right? He said, yep, he's waiting for you to give the word. So I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, that angel that's here, he's a ministering spirit set forth to minister to those to the heirs of salvation. That's me. That they may hear the word of God. That they may get saved. That they may get delivered. That they may be made whole. And he left. And, then, and within a few weeks, we have you here. We have you here. You're back. Mark's back. Your sister came. Others are coming. They're not done working. Can one angel do all that? Oh, yeah, they can fly. They can go around the earth seven times in a split second. So that's not, that's not hard work for them at all. Man, he's probably saying, all i got to do is work around Boonville? Gosh, <laughs> this is gravy. <laughs> but see, many people, they're angels. Everybody has at least one angel. And they go with you everywhere. But that angel, it says in Psalms that the angels only hearken to the word of the Lord. So you can't get them to do your laundry. You can't get them to mow your grass because God didn't say anything in his word about mowing your grass. Now if God had said, I will cut your lawn, now I can get the angels to cut my grass. But he didn't say that. So I can't, I can't use that. But there's not in there his word, I can release an angel to go and do. But see, my heart's got to be right. If the condition of my heart, if, I, if I've got unforgiveness toward people, if I, if I have hatred towards some people, or anybody, my faith ain't going to work. It'll short-circuit the whole thing. Even though I know because I have unforgiveness in my heart, it stops the move of God. My faith's not going to work. 
That's why as you look into that Word of God, you've got to let it change you. You've got to let it look into your heart and see, find out what's not right there. What have you put before God? You know, God said, you shall serve me. You shall not serve any other God. There shall not be no other gods before me. Many people today serve other gods in, in Christianity, and they don't even know it. They don't even know it. They've gotten so used to it. I remember years ago, Doc Barkley talking about one minister, uh, one, or one, one man in his church. It just stands out because the man, they were part-time comers to church and that. And he had a son. Well, his son played ball. And as his son got older and involved in more and more baseball, uh, one thing led to another, and he got into, involved in drugs and he wound up dying of an overdose. So, the, man, the father came to, to Doc Barkley and said, why did God let this happen to my son? Now here's where real love steps in. He doesn't say something that's popular. He says, sir, you're the one that told your son that baseball was more important than, than church. You're the one that rather than bring him to church, you took him to ball games to practice and things like that. Nothing wrong with ball games. Nothing wrong with playing ball. But when it, when it comes to church or baseball or football, whatever, you're going to choose the God you serve. You chose the God of this world. And that's what got you. Now, he can either repent and say, you know, you're right. Father, forgive me. I shouldn't have done that. And get behind this, or you can get mad at God. And stay, or, or, or stay mad at the man of God, which is the same thing. And mess your whole life up. There's people that don't come to church because they're mad at a pastor because of what they said to him or didn't say to him, or however, this goofy stuff. Your heart is getting hardened to the things of God and you don't believe and Jesus is trying to bring correction to you that's why when you pray and you ask you're believing God for a miracle you, you have a hard time receiving one because of the condition of your heart but see if your heart is pliable it's, it's, it's the ground is, is tillable we can get the nutrients of the word into that ground and the word is being preached to you quickly is quickly grown and starts producing fruit after fruit and fruit in abundance. All the importance of learning to recognize the sound of faith, what faith sounds like. It's part of it. Let's go on here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go to Romans chapter 4. Romans 4. In Romans 4, it's talking about Abraham. Let's look at verse 19. It says this about him. And being not weak in faith, 
He considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. He's strong in faith. He didn't stagger, he didn't waver. He didn't say, well, well God, when, when's this going to come to pass? When am I going to have, when am I going to be a father of many nations? He didn't ask that question. He, he probably thought it. But see, where a lot of people miss it is they, they try to fight thoughts with thoughts. You don't fight thoughts with thoughts. You fight thoughts with words. If you get a thought in your head that's contrary to the word of God, there better be something coming out of your mouth. Because otherwise, that thought's going to get into your heart. And it'll start producing after itself. And the next thing you know, you'll be cursing your, your, your blessing and not even know it. Well, Lord, why is it taking so long? Why isn't it happening? Why don't I see something? That's staggering. Abraham didn't do that. He staggered not at the promise of God. He believed him. You know, go back to uh, David and, and Goliath. I'm intrigued by that stuff. I'm doing some studying on, not that I'll, I don't know that I'll ever preach a message on it, but I, I'm intrigued about giants and Nephilim. Because when I read in the Word of God, well, I can share this much. There's a king, and I'm gonna, I, I can't pronounce his name right, so I'm just going to pronounce it this way. Cheddar, Cheddar Lammer. Okay? It's close to that. He wouldn't kill giants. They wouldn't kill giants. This is before David. They went out and they were slaughtering giants. Killing them. Now we come to, here's, here's David and Goliath. And all the Jews, they're afraid of this guy. My land, we've got history telling us how the Israelites went and slaughtered giants. Now something's happened, we're afraid of one single giant. One! And all the giant Goliath does is he comes out and says, Is any of you man enough to fight me? I'm ad-libbing. That's what he was doing. You bunch of chickens over there. Is there a man amongst you? No, we just us mice. Just us mice. We're not going to fight you. David comes along. His brother said to him, Get back to them sheep. You're supposed to be watching dad's sheep. This is for men. Now, it doesn't say it in the Bible, but David had to look around and say, I really have a problem seeing any men on this side. I see some men over there. So what's going on here with the giant? Whoever fights him and beats him gets a whole bunch of prizes. David says, <laughs> on one hand, he makes a big mistake here. 
What do I get for beating him? Well, you get the king's daughter. Oh, wow. Little did he know that she would come later on down the road and curse him and make fun of him because he danced before everyone in the Lord. And you know what? She bared no children because she had no honor. She's just like her daddy. She didn't honor. So David says, I'll take on this giant. So King Saul says, hey, you know what? Here, son, you're going to go out there and fight this guy. I've got some brand new armor here. This is, this is, this is up-to-date, military-grade armor. Nobody in, in the kingdom has it. I'm going to let you use it. David looks down at it, and this guy thought you got to run through his head. It's so great, why don't you put it on and go out there? He said, I don't know how to operate in that stuff. All I know is i got a slingshot here. I'm going to reach down and grab five smooth stones, and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to kill that giant. Now, meanwhile, this giant's standing out here, and he's, and he's yelling, Who's going to fight me? Who's man enough to come out here and take me on? All the Israelites hear him talking. David doesn't. David doesn't hear a word of what he's saying because he's already heard the word of God. He tells King Saul, he says, listen, I've killed the lions and the bears. Ain't nothing scares me. And his brothers are looking at him and say, you runt, get out of here. But he's not afraid of anything. He knows if God be for him, who can be against me? So he grabs his five smooth stones and he runs toward the giant. And the giant is saying, am I a dog? You sent a bear to do a man's work? And no sooner had he said that than he gets hit square in the head with a stone and drops him, knocks him out. Now all David has is four stones left. What's he going to kill the giant with? The giant sword. So he goes over and he picks up the giant sword, which, you know, this giant's like ten foot tall. He didn't have a, he didn't have a sword that tall. That'd be a toothpick for him. That sword had to be at least this big. I mean, 10-foot guy? Imagine the, 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 the length and the weight of the sword that guy. That guy. So he picks, up, he picks up Goliath's sword and somehow gets it up in the air and brings it down and cuts his head off. Now, the rules of the battle was whoever lost the battle had to serve the other. You notice what happened. They, the enemy left. They didn't say, okay, we're going to serve you. They went running. They had no intentions of honoring what the, what the battle was about. None. It's just how the devil is. But see, David heard faith. God had been training him up, raising him up, conditioning him for that battle that changed his entire destiny. Because the rest of the story, you know the rest of the story. 
Saul brings David in, and then Saul gets mad at David because when they go out in battle, David kills tens of thousands, and all Saul can do is kill a thousand. And the people are singing David's praises and not Saul. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Because one man has the fear of God in him that another man doesn't. And God repented of the day he made Saul king because he didn't fear God. His heart was hardened. Samson was another one. He's not a hero. You look at Samson as a hero because he slaughtered a lot of the enemy. He wasn't really a hero. His daddy said, why don't you marry one of these nice Jewish girls? They know the God of our Bible. Stay away from those girls over there because they don't know the God of our Bible. They're going to get you in trouble. Going to get you in trouble. Dad, you know what you're talking about. I like these girls over here. They're wicked. Yeah, they're wicked, all right. Yeah, but you don't understand, Dad. They're not that religious type. They're wild. They like to party. Yeah, we, we know they like to party. It's a warning there. Samson goes over there. The girl says, what's the secret to your strength? Tell me. And he makes something up. And she brings in the troops to try to put him in bondage. And he throws them off. You know, you'd think this guy would figure out, this girl is after me. She's, at, yeah, she's not after me in a good kind of way. She's after, she wants to kill me. This ha happens to him time and time again. And then finally, she breaks him. Man, you know what I'm talking about. A woman will break you. Yeah. There's not a guy in here. That, you know what I'm talking about. A woman will break you. You better make sure she's breaking you the right way. Because she broke Samson. And he finally said, okay, here's the secret. Here's the secret. It's my hair. I'm a Nazarite. If you cut my hair, I lose my power. So, Delilah tells the guys, the troops, get ready. Tonight, when I lay with him, I'm going to cut his hair. And when I knock on the door, or I give you a signal, come in and get him. So she lays with him, she, she cuts his hair, she gives the signal, the army comes in, and it says he jumped out of bed and he didn't even know the Spirit of the Lord was no longer on him. He didn't even suspect it. Why? He'd been ignoring God for such a long time. God was telling, he gave him stop signs all the way. His daddy said, Marry a nice Jewish girl. Come on. Marry this nice Jewish girl. Don't marry these girls over here. He wouldn't listen. But it says he didn't even know the Spirit of the Lord was not, no longer on him. 
And they came in and they gouged out his eyes so he couldn't see. And they let him. And finally he's, he, he's turning grain. He's pushing a grinding stone. And he says, Lord, let me have one more chance and I'll kill all these people. He basically commits suicide. A hero? I don't think so. I don't think he's a hero. He repented. But how much more? Because you know what? What a lot of people have lost is Samson was raised to be a judge. He's in judges. He was supposed to rule over the whole land. And he didn't because he got off track. He wound up losing everything. What I'm saying is the condition of your heart. His heart got so alienated from the things of God that when they, when they captured him, he didn't even know that the Spirit of the Lord was no longer with him. Your heart has to be tender to the things of God. You remember the, the scripture where Jesus goes into his own hometown. And it's said that he couldn't do any mighty works there because of their unbelief. And he said a prophet is without honor in his, own, in his home country. Without honor. So that tells us that they didn't honor the things of God. It says he couldn't do any mighty works there. And in other words, he tried. He tried to do some mighty work, but he couldn't because of their unbelief, because of their lack of honor. What you honor, God looks at. So a lot of times when people dishonor a man or a woman of God, they don't realize it doesn't matter what they did. It doesn't matter what the man or woman did. It doesn't matter what the member of the church did. You honor them, not because of them, but because of who they represent. That's what honor does. Jesus always honored people. Even those that were cruel to him, he honored them. Because honor gets a response from heaven. And when your heart is tendered to the point that you honor people, the windows of heaven are opened up to you. And God's pouring out such a blessing that there's not room enough for you to hold it. Healing? Oh, it's not a problem for you. Because when the word's spoken, you know that you have it. You're not even questioning what's taken too long. You know that all the promises of God are yes and amen. What he said he would do for you, he'll do it. And you know it because while your heart's tender, your heart's tender toward the things of God. So that angel that's here in the service and because you need something, maybe it's finances. Maybe you don't need a body part. Maybe you need finances. They're here with the finances. What's the scripture? My God will supply all my need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. 
because your heart's tender, that angel that has the finances steps into your life and hands it over to you, and you take it by faith. You may, you may or may not see him. Most of the time, I very rarely do. I, I don't really see angels. I know that I see their presence. I sense that they're there, but I can't say, oh, there's just this beautiful, they're big. When they come in here, they have to stoop down because they're taller than the ceiling. You ever see an angel, you'll know it. Because in the Bible, when they show up on scenes, the first words out of their mouth is, fear not. Why? Because, you know, you better have a good pair of huggies on when they show up. Because you're liable to do something. Because they're scared of the living you-know-what out of you. <laughs> so you receive what they have by faith. Because your heart's tender. So the devil can't come to you and say, see, you didn't get it. The devil can't talk you out of what God's doing in your life. No, 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 no. It says in the Word, I've submitted myself to God. I resist the devil. He has to flee. So whatever I need, whatever it is, healing, sound mind, financial, whatever need I have, it's mine. It says in the Word of God, if you judge yourself, you wouldn't be judged. Always be, make sure before you go to the Father to judge yourself. Yeah. Lord, am I, am I treating people right? Have I, have I been mean to somebody? Am I treating my family right? Have I been mean to them? Am I honoring them? See, that'll stop. Oh, you, know, you, might be, you might be treating everybody outside fine, but you're hateful to your family. You don't honor them. You'll stop the move of God in your life. Because you know what? If we were all honest, the ones we're hardest on are our family. We can go out and treat the world. We can be the nicest person in the world to them. But then when it comes to family, sometimes we can be, we can be real hard on them. How do you know the Word of God's working in you? It's changing your view on that. See, now, if what I just said made you mad because you're under conviction, you need to repent. Don't get mad. Be thankful the Lord's revealing this to you that this is an issue you need to repent of and say, Father, forgive me. He's right. I mean the, I mean the family. It doesn't matter whatever, how everybody looks at you. It matters how God looks at you. That's what matters. Because when God looks at you, he looks right at your heart. Right? Because you can, you can, man can fool people. My God, and I don't even want to go down that rabbit hole. Man can fool people, but you can't fool God. And that's the one that matters. Amen? Did you get something today? I know this was kind of a, a different service, but uh, you know, I just listened to what the Holy Ghost said. He kind of took me a different a different way. But that's one of the things the Lord was talking to me about is just listening to Him and saying what He wants to say. I, I don't want to. I don't want to hear myself talk. 
See, you're, you're pulling. Each one of I can I can see, I can feel it in the spirit, you're pulling from the anointing that's in me. Not because of me, because of him. You're pulling something, you're receiving something. There, now there's times in the past, and not necessarily with you guys, but there's been times in the past. I've cut I've cut things short and or or I didn't cut things short, I went ahead and preached. But after I got done, I said, Lord, I, I could have been out playing golf or something. I don't play golf anymore, but this tells you just how long ago. I could have been out doing something else because nobody was pulling on it. See, a shepherd can tell. People are pulling. Paul even talked about that. Come, come to church with the word. Be prepared. You know, Brother Travis, shouting during praise and worship. Praise God. Thankful for that. Thankful for that. We need to be bolder. We need to be more skillful with that because, you know, that is, that is a skill. And we all need to be better at that. I need to be better at that. Imagine if all of us are pressing in like that. Can you imagine what's going to happen? God's going to be moving like fast. God will only move to the, to, the, to the speed that we press in. If we're pressing in fast, he's moving fast. We back off and we're slow to move. You're just like the Israelites with Goliath. And nothing happened. Yeah. Well, but, but what you need to be, we need to be like David and run at the giant with our mouth open. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? come against the God of the angel armies. You don't stand a chance. See, and that's, that's who you are. That's who each of you are. Let me read. I'm going to read this one little thing because the Lord spoke that to me. Yes, thank you, Father, for reminding me. Here's what said. Everyone is of great value. Every one of you is of great value, not because of what you did, but because of the price that was paid for you. Amen. That should change you. If you've got any self-defeated attitude, that should change your whole attitude about yourself. You are of great value because a great price was paid for you. Think about that. A great price was paid for you. Not a cheap one, a great one. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Whatever it is that you need from heaven today, just, you receive, just say this. I receive it in Jesus' name. I have it in Jesus' name. Devil, take your hands off my situation. In Jesus' name. It's done. Now what are you going to do? You're going to act different. Because you're going to act like it's done. Faith is an act. Faith is an act. You act like it's done. I'm healed. I'm not going to talk about my sickness. I'm healed. I'm redeemed. I have the mind of Christ. Something happens, I don't say, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. I got the mind of Christ. Of course you know what you're going to do. I'm just going to have to spend some time in prayer. 
and get it all together. I know what to do. So don't ever say you don't know what you're going to do. You have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. Glory to God. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the word today. Thank you, Father, that every, everything we put our hands to prospers. No weapon formed against us will prosper at all in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The peace of God rules in our hearts. In Jesus' name, we walk in divine health all the days of our lives. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.